0: Hello and welcome to Visionaries, the show that dissects and interviews some of the most impactful people in gaming, media, and the internet. I am your producer, Prem Thadamkara. Jacob is out this week. He had a tonsillectomy and he is not allowed to speak and be very expressive at the moment. He's got to rest. This week we were joined by Grand Pooh Poo is one of the most well-known speedrunners in the speedrunning community. He's one of the most watched speedrunners on Twitch, and part of the reason he's so popular is that he's a really diverse creator. He makes a lot of different content. He runs his own events. He makes plays a lot of mods recently. If you follow him, he's been playing a lot of body in games like Only Up, and he's generally phenomenal guy he's someone that i've personally been a fan of for many years at this point uh having seen him on a number of gdq runs on couches he's very funny very friendly and like i said he does a lot of different things on stream he is one of red bull's longest running gamers having been i think the third oldest and i i believe he mentions this he's the third oldest uh, sponsored red bull gamer behind only a couple members of the fighting game community and it's been an incredible partnership he goes into it in in great detail because they enable him to do what he does best and that's be creative Poo is someone that uh, i i think when we booked him he seemed perfect because he has such a, a diverse and, and interesting background. He used to be a, a, a semi-professional snowboarder and was was taken away from that from, uh, after a pretty major injury. And he has transitioned into being someone that obviously does a lot of gaming stuff, but through his connection with Red Bull is able to do a lot of coverage of, of some incredible extreme sports, which very clearly he he loves this episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago, actually. Uh, and, and, and again, he mentions that the, the weekend of that, of, of that recording was an event that he ran called Kaizo Coliseum. It's one of a number of events that he runs every year, including Grand Pooh Bear's speed run sessions, which travels around the country and brings together some of the best speed runners in the country to, to have a good time It's something that Pooh is is extremely proud of. He is able to run these events that are both a great time for everyone involved, but all of the viewers. And that's something that Kaizo Coliseum really knocked out of the park. Personally, I've seen a ton of these kind of smaller, what I call house-run events, where it's a really pretty small team uh, of broadcasters and, and staff making the most out of a weekend. And, and Kaizo Coliseum did it in, in spades. They jam-packed an entire weekend with some of the best speedrunners, some of the funniest content, great speedruns, some not-so-great speedruns, and generally just a really memorable weekend that if you ask Pooh, he would say it's one of his best events yet. He goes into a lot of his life, his perspectives on on gaming, speed running, running events, growing older, and being a dad, which is something that if you've been listening to a lot of our, our more recent episodes, it's come up quite often where, where people will say how much being a dad has has changed his perspective on everything. I think that he brings an incredible set of, of lived experiences to the podcast because he has been around for so long. He's seen a lot of trends come and go. He's seen a lot of personalities explode. He's he's someone that I think is a great person to bring on the show because he does have all of these perspectives, uh, both from his life before he was a pro gamer and his life now as one of the the most well-respected people in the speedrunning community. Before we jump to the show, I do want to quickly plug our Patreon. We just launched a Patreon a couple weeks ago, and it's going to be where a lot of our bonus content for Visionaries lives, as well as all of the newsletters by both Jacob and Mikhail Klementov, the new writer who has joined the Overcome team. We'll also be doing a lot of, of different activations there for the various patron tiers. And there's a lot more information about that on our patreon which will be linked below and it is patreon.com slash jacob wolf mikhail clementov i know it's a lot just go to the description click the link and you'll be set so without further ado we'll jump straight into the interview
1: grand poob welcome to the podcast
2: how's it going man nice to be here
1: I'm I'm doing okay we launched the new patreon yesterday it's been a chaotic like two weeks I've barely been sleeping so now I can actually get back to like sleeping and creating content and having somewhat of a normal life as I'm sure you can understand
2: you know what I for some reason I have a feeling you'll never catch up on that I don't know what it is I don't know what it is about this <laughs> job but we always have that hope like yeah I say that every every week I say oh yeah now it's gonna calm down and you know Never does so. Yeah, good. Good luck with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're always like chasing ourselves. So that's the coolest part about this job. But I, I love it, man. Like it's launching a Patreon yesterday, doing all that stuff, moving from Substack. Like it was chaotic up until the last minute, but it was also really, really fun. So I'm, I'm happy with uh, how things turned out. So for the people that may not be familiar with your content and your journey, can you give them a little bit of background about what you've done over your career and how you've gotten to this point?
2: Play video games really fast. I think some people like to watch that and some people think it's fun to enjoy. And yeah, I mean, that's that's more that's that's the the TLDR, I guess. You know what I mean? No, I mean, it's I'm one of the lucky ones that get to play video games for a living and get to do it on their own terms. And I get to, to kind of do whatever I want now. I'm to the point where I get to do whatever I want. And a lot of people come on the journeys with me, no matter what they are, which I'm very, very, very grateful for. And yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I do.
1: How long have you been speed running in total?
2: Since 2015. So eight years now, like solid eight years. Yeah, like a solid eight year anniversary. So, and I started, I mean, my first GDQ was, 20 yeah my first gdq was 2015 so yeah eight eight years like doing gdqs so a little bit before that i guess like a little bit before 20 2014 ish almost get, getting close to a decade now i'm realizing and the more i say it like that yeah so a long time yeah a long long time
1: what was that first game that made you want to do this the first game that you sped around that you're like i want to do this competitively
2: it wasn't it wasn't so i didn't like The first thing that made me want to speed, the first time, the first thing that like really like blew my mind, like originally when I first started watching speedrunning like like I had got on Twitch and I was playing like Rust and DayZ and a lot of stuff like that. I love survival games. Like I love games with consequences. Like I think I think I just love consequences in general. And so like back in the day when GDQ happened in like 2014, 2015 on Twitch, like it dominated Twitch. It was like like if you came into Twitch like in the last like 4 years, you don't remember this, but like there were times where like one or two things would just dominate every chat room, you know what I mean? We and and for twice a year, GDQ was that thing. And so I watched GDQ and I watched this one guy named Sinister1 play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out blindfolded. He got all the way up to Tyson and lost at Tyson, and I just thought, "Man, if that guy play tyson's punch out blindfolded surely i could like beat mario 3 which was my favorite game of all time like surely i could beat that deathless right and yeah i mean that's kind of how it went like after that after watching him i was just like yeah let's i'm gonna try it out and and like a week later i was not last on the leaderboard but i was like i can do way better and then it just yeah
1: and were you competitive before that? Not, and I'm not saying like competitive gamer, just competitive in general and anything else in life. Or did you really find like this sort of competition trait in yourself from,
2: from speed running? I, well, I was a semi-pro snowboarder before this. Like I wanted to be pro. Like I was trying, trying my hardest to be pro. But like pro snowboarding is, is a very, very small group of people. And if there's like 20 guys that go to the X Games, I'm one of the next like 100. I was like one of those next 100 guys. You know what I mean? Good enough to get some free stuff, maybe take a trip. Have a cool movie part, but not good enough to, like, make a living off of it. Just good enough to live, not really make a living, you know? It was one of those things. And and I always played video games and snowboarding. Like, that was my life growing up. I went to college to snowboard. I dropped out of college to snowboard more. And I was living in Lake Tahoe, and I got hit by a skier, actually. And I was in the hospital for the better part of the next six months. Like, in and out of the hospital. I had... Five surgeries-ish, broken knee, broken back, internal injuries. My internal injuries would what caused the real problems. Got a 107-degree fever. It was the whole thing. Almost died. Very, very, very close to dying. And then I got out the next winter, and that's when I found, like, Twitch. And that's how I, like, progressed into that because the next winter I had nothing to do. I was in rehab, and so that's when I started streaming on Twitch. So, yeah, I've always been, like, competitive, I guess, but, like, Snowboarding and and speedrunning are very weird competition. I I compare them. I actually compare them all the time because they're they're collaborative competitiveness. You're you're competing against people, but you're also learning against those same people too. And you are pushing each other back and forth. You know what I mean? So both of those, snowboarding and speedrunning, both really have those things in common where I might be competing against a guy, but I'm also really stoked when they crush it. And it's kind of the same thing in speedrunning. Like we're very... Collaborative, competitive, you know, all my rivals end up being my biggest friends and the people that help me the most is what happens in speedrunning.
1: Well, in a weird way, too, like you're not, it's not like a team sport in the case of like football or basketball or baseball where you're on a field with other people and you know, you're kind of competing against a game, you are competing against other people and their records, etc., and speedrunning. But in the same way in snowboarding, right? Like you're, it's very rare that the people are on the same slope at the same time. It's it's a time thing, and you're competing against nature in a lot of different ways. And it's, and I yeah,
2: hundred percent. And and that, that same way with when you talk about like competing against the game, like yeah, we're all trying to get the best time we can get. But collectively as a community, we're trying to push the game to the best time the game could be too. You know what I mean? So it is this like weird competitive collaboration that exists in speedrunning.
1: What, how did you know that you were hyper competitive like that? Was there a moment in your life that sort of that like light bulb went on? I know for myself I had that moment and it's carried on in video games. I had that moment in sports as well. Was there a moment that you were like, alright, I'm like a very competitive driven person?
2: I think I was just always came out the womb like that. Like it was just one of those things that I always wanted to win and maybe it's just like I have one, I have a older sister 10 years older than me but and then I was adopted later on but like For the first, like, 13 years of my life, I was more or less, like, an only kid. So, yeah, I think maybe it's just, like, the only kid syndrome that you get. You know what I mean? You want the attention or whatever. Yeah, I just, I always wanted to win. I always wanted to be good at things. I don't like being bad at things. I like being good at things. And when I'm, but I also really like, like, when I'm bad at something and it's fun, then I, like, obsess and I have to get good at it. Like, I'm, I don't just know. I don't even know if it's competitive as much as it is, like, ocd adhd like hyper focus type like thing but like once i'm if i'm bad at something but i found it fun i obsess i have to get good i research what's the best equipment you know what i mean i'm one of those nerds like i want to do everything like i want to just absorb everything about it so yeah i don't know if like competitiveness is the right word for me it's just more obsessiveness you know I don't know, like, I don't, I don't really, like, care about beating other people as much as I care about beating myself, just always, like, being... And I know that sounds weird, because that's, like, not what, like, drives most people. Like, most people want to be the best, right? I just want to be the best that I can be, and I know... But I also know that if I'm be, if i the best I can be, it will be the best. Like, and that's one thing that I've learned in my life. Like, if I give myself 110%, I think no matter what it is, I can be the best at it. You know, minus, like, sports that require height. Sounds like
1: you're a little bit of perfectionist as well, which probably plays plays into speed running as as a whole.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that definitely. I think that's something that we all have in common. All of us speedrunners are a little bit ob- obsessive with solving problems or yeah, finding solutions, things like that. I think we probably have a lot
1: of listeners that aren't familiar with what speed running is more broadly. So, can you explain in in lay terms and basic terms? what it's like to prep for a speedrunning event, what it's like to compete in a speedrunning event in person, and that entire step and process, because I think that would be interesting to some people.
2: I mean, there's a bunch of different, like, types of, you know, competitions. Like, yeah, obviously in speedrunning, the most common thing you'll think of is, like, races. You know what I mean? Those are very common. Preparing for a race, you have to decide, like, how risky you want to be, how much time, because, you know, generally, The riskier the strat, the higher the time save, right? I mean, that makes sense, you know, risk reward. Not always, but generally that's going to happen. So you have to decide on how risky you want to be to save a little bit of time versus how much time you would lose if you missed something. So that's a lot of things that people do for races. But a lot of it is, you know, you want to show your... uh, Like, I'm just going to use GDQ for an example. Because GDQ, Games Done Quick, are our two biggest events, the things that people know the most. They uh, happen every six months. And they're like our Super Bowl. You know, They we get 100,000, 150,000 people sometime watching these events. They're by far the biggest size we can get, but they're also charity events. You have to prepare for them like differently than you would prepare for a race. And you could be in GDQ and you could do a race. You could be in GDQ, you could do a solo run. But it really just, you want to put on a good show for the people so you, you make a good charity event. But really it, it comes down for me, the way I do it is it's basically like, once a GDQ ends, I take a month off and then I start thinking about what game can I, what game can I provide to the audience that is going to be something they've never seen before? Something that's gonna blow their minds, something that is going to be familiar to them, yet brand new, which is something I, I always preach. Like, that's what works on Twitch, right? Something familiar, but brand new, right? That's what people love Battle Royale, is like it's familiar, but brand new. That's what people love League of Legends, familiar, but you might see something you've never seen before. That's why we love basketball. I we love the NBA, you know what I mean? It's familiar, but we might see Dame hit a logo shot, you know, like, you know, something brand new. You know, you kind of want to prepare and then it's working, it's breaking down, it's having your friends and colleagues, people you trust kind of look at the game. Am I missing something that I could get faster at? Am I, you know, that's really good. Breaking down your own gameplay, looking at your, your video, looking at other people's video, what are they doing? Are they doing something that's more consistent But just as fast or they do something that's faster things that you can absorb from other players that are doing that a lot of just mental prep and then you know and then practice i mean reps you know it's like anything else you do a lot of reps of something you become very good at it you know what i mean you shoot 100 free throws a day you become a good free throw shooter you do 100 shell jumps a day in my case you become a good shell jumper yeah a lot of reps a lot of rep
1: there are still a lot of speed runs i've seen and watching people like yourself and others practice where you find something in the game that you are, it was not originally intended, be it like jumping off world and trying to land somewhere else or some of the other strats. How, how are people finding those? Is it just like literally just trying everything and throwing shit against the wall until something stick? But what is, what is the way to find some of these like more off the wall? I guess they're technically game bugs, but other ways to like advance, advance the run.
2: All they're. Some of them are just throwing a lot of things against a wall. Like, and literally sometimes, I mean, just throwing your character into walls with different abilities. Like, yeah, I mean, that is literally it. Throwing your character into a wall, pressing pause, blah, blah, blah. What I've noticed, especially with new, really, really large games, like, say something like, like, Tears of Kingdom's Kingdom is a great example, right? And that is a game that had a tremendous amount of speedrun related glitches and bugs that came out. But what ends up happening nowadays, more or not, is that some random streamer is doing some random thing and accidentally presses some random button in some random spot, and something cool happens, and that clip gets shared to a Discord where people are already talking about speedrunning it, and then everybody tries to recreate it, and someone does, and then they look at that recreation, and then someone expands, oh. Well, I can do it a little. We can do it a little bit easier over here. Blah blah blah, and and that's kind of how it goes. They've been accidental ones. Like my one of my favorite stories is about eight eight and a half nine years ago. The a random a speedrunner actually was doing a Chrono Trigger blind run, a casual run and they found a literal credits warp glitch, so a glitch that brings you right to the credits on complete accident, not trying to do anything at all, just randomly, and it happened to be a speedrunner, and that led to the development of this credit warps glitch in Chrono Trigger, so a lot of them, I'd say the majority of them are found one way or another by accident, and then picked apart and expanded upon, but there are times where you have something like, say, especially like in, I'm going to use Nintendo games as a good example for this, but like, Mario Odyssey and Zelda run on the same engine, right? So if something works in one game, you might as well just start trying it in a different game, like in that same sense, you know what I mean? And things like that. So when you have games, from software games are a great example too, they run on the same engine. So a lot of times these little tricks can carry over in those games as well. So that really helps now that we know like what engines these games run on and what things we can achieve inside those engines in general. So you can kind of break those down a little bit quicker. Even, even, like, uh, Metroid Dread is also on the... I think it's the Frost engine is what it's called for Nintendo. And that one even shares some, like, really weird, like, wall tech with the other games in, in kind of, like, obscure ways. So, yeah, those, those are kind of the ways that I think people find glitches, mostly. A lot by accident.
1: What is your easiest run and what is your hardest run?
2: Well, my easiest run used to be Jaws for the NES. And the reason it was easy is because you didn't nobody practiced it. You didn't have to practice. It was literally just like, go kill the Jaws, you know? But recently in the last year, it got put a part of this big competition called the Big Twenty, which is where you take twenty NES games and you run them back to back. And you get to practice for a month and a half. And all of a sudden all these guys, blue Jaws. I went in one in literally in a three week period, I went from number two on the leaderboard to number fourteen on the leaderboard like that in a three week period out of a sudden all of a sudden all these guys and I was number Two for years. Like, I'm talking like seven years, I was number two. And then all of a sudden, these guys were just coming in. So, that used to be my easiest run, but now it's a very, very hard, annoying run. And it's like two minutes, so it's the worst. That's like intentional deaths now, pixel perfect, jellyfish stuff. I think the hardest run, my hardest run, I think will always be Mario 3. Um, I've kind of retired from it. I haven't run it in about a year and a half, but it just involves so much randomness um, and RNG between the Hammer Brothers and the Hands. I think that one's going to be the hardest run. Those are super technical, and every jump you make is blind. You can never see what you're landing on. You have to know. So, like, each level has to be in your brain. As far as, like, what I think are the two hardest speedruns in the world, I think it's no doubt Super Mario 64 and Super Metroid, respectively. Mario 64 for 3D and Super Metroid for 2D, respectively. I think those are the two absolute hardest speedruns in the world. Both of them just have recently had their records broken, actually, and after a while of people holding them. So there's hot competition in both games. We'll be right back
1: after a quick break from our sponsors. For the people on audio that can't see this, but you are wearing a Red Bull hat. You are a Red Bull athlete, and couple things on that note. One, I mean, it is a very significant signifier for for an athlete in general. I know several of the people that are Red Bull athletes and what that means to them. I would imagine it means even more to someone who is into action sports because action sports is where Red Bull kind of made their their name at the beginning. in in the sports industry is snowboarding, skateboarding, et cetera, and partnering with people that are participating in things like the X Games, et cetera how did that come to be and and talk a little bit about that experience
2: man i, I you know it still seems crazy to me i mean now it's my like fifth year fifth fifth year with him sixth year with him i don't even know at this point i I'm, I'm a long time i'm one of, i think there's only one or two guys longer than me the smash the the fighting game guys plup and anakin as far as american people but yeah no it was a, a, someone i had worked with well not even worked with i i went to a charity event years ago and they offered me a flight to the charity event. And I was like, nah, man, it's four hours away. Like, we had 10-minute flight, you know, wasn't a big deal. I just said, no, it was fine. I I had subs. I was like, give it to a different runner who doesn't have a bunch of subs that's coming. And later on, the guy who ran that event gets a job at Red Bull and is just like, he sends me a DM, and I don't even know this is happening, but he, like, sent me a DM. asking me, like, some random questions. And that was it. Like, I didn't talk to him for, like, a month and a half. And then I was going to PAX, and he invited me to a party. And that's when I realized, like, oh, he's introducing me to a lot of people. This is kind of weird, you know? It's, like, to a, to a Red Bull party. And then later on, I get invited down to L.A. to do a stream there, and we just all started talking. I mean, it was, like, a year-long process, like, literally, like, a year-long process of kind of, like, flirting, I guess I would say. Like, they're, like, flirting with me. But not like pulling and every and you and you know, like everything in in this industry, like gaming, it's like fast, you know, like it's like we talk this week, we're doing it next week, very fast, especially because most companies want to jump on you while you're hot, right? Like they want, they know that like this internet fame can be fleeting, right? Red Bull's very not like that. They are the complete opposite. They want to move as slow as they possibly can. Everything's long-term and planned out. And yeah, so we just, we started talking and later on, you know, like we, like we had already kind of talked about like what I would want out of the the deal, you know, if if it did happen or things and ideas I had. And I'm a big event driven guy. So I had a lot of ideas that I was kind of pitching to a lot of companies at the time. Then and one company that loves to do events is Red Bull. You know what I mean. So I think that really appealed to them as well. Yeah. Well, so all of us, so one day I'm just streaming, right? One day I'm minding my own business. I'm streaming. My wife's nine months pregnant, like really pregnant at this point. And I'm thinking about taking the day off from work. And she's like, No, you got to work. I I want to clean the house. Blah blah blah. I'm like, You're not cleaning the house. You're nine months pregnant. And she's all she's all dressed up. And I'm I don't know why because you know again yeah, she's nine months pregnant. And then. She's like, she basically forced me to stream. I, walk, I I go to stream, half hour into my stream, bust through my door. One of my heroes in snowboarding, John Jackson. And he's like, yo, you're a Red Bull athlete. Got my hat and, and everything. And I hung out with the literal best snowboarder that's ever lived. Yeah, I mean, it was just a really, really cool moment. It was very full circle for me. Because, like, I grew up, like, like. I sat there snowboarding. I watched John Jackson's movies all day, every day. That's it. That's all is this movie. I don't know if y'all have ever seen it. That that That's it. That's all Art of Flight. They're Travis Rice, John Jackson movies. They're amazing. They're Red Bull movies. They're, they're just the most incredible, just nature movies in general, but they're amazing snowboard movies. And I used to watch these all the time. And then, like, this guy came in and gave me my hat for snowboarding. Or for video games. <laughs> like, I wanted to be a snowboard, a Red Bull athlete for snowboarding. and then Gave him my hat for video games. Sorry, I'm rambling because, like, it is, like, a weird, like, full circle story for me, you know? So... I like it. Yeah,
1: yeah and that—that's why that's why I ask because you know it is it is a big deal in action sports for for everyone.
2: Yeah, like to be in action sports, it's like it's the be all end all to be a Red Bull athlete because then you can do whatever you want. Like you have an idea, you can do it because they're they'll figure out what to do with the idea on the back end, right? Because most most of the time you have an idea and it's like how do you pay for it, right? And Red Bull is this magical company that they figure that rest of that, all that other part out on the back end. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about, oh, will this idea make money. You know what I mean? Is The the whole thing is it's a cool idea. Is it a cool idea? Like, let's do it. You know what I mean? And they'll figure all that out on the other end. And I don't have to worry about any of that part, you know? And that's what's so amazing about working with them. And, and that translates out the same way that it would have been in snowboarding. It translates out to me in gaming. You know, they have given me so much trust and love and freedom and just like i can go with them and i'm like here's this kind of really dumb idea nobody's ever done it before it sounds stupid but let's do it and see what happens and they'll they'll do it you know what i mean they'll be like all right let's try it out and we'll figure it all out on the back end you know we'll figure everything else out on that you know and that's what's amazing about it and as as the relationship's grown and and i truly say it's like a relationship it's a partnership it's not a sponsorship like it is a partnership between me and red bull and i'm sure everyone else you talk to that wears the hat will say the same thing. Like they invest in me in what I'm doing and my ideas. They never tell me what to do. They never even ask me to do anything that's out of my comfort zone. They've never done anything like that. It's always like just great ideas. And if I have an idea, like, dude, what if we threw this on top of that idea? What if we, what if we threw gasoline on that fire? That's the only thing they ever do. And they're, so amazing for that. And I, I just couldn't ask for a better partnership. Yeah, I'm just super I'm super proud to be a Red Bull athlete. And I'm the only speedrunner in the world that gets to do it. So
1: <laughs> I'm sure we'll invite somebody from that company on to the show because I think it they're fascinating in the fact that like they're you know, what they truly are is a media company. Yes, they are an energy drink company, but they are a media company at their core, and they're such a unique brand in a retail space, like and they've leaned so hard into media and content and everything else and i think that that's you know they're not just another energy drink you see at the store like they are their their marketing is their they live breathe die marketing every single day as a company which is super intriguing they're
2: so prepared for like long form short form no matter what like they they are on it all the time and they have something amazing to show and and it, you know what else that too it's like being getting to be around all the other athletes like cause they they invite me to a lot of stuff and I get to be around not gaming athletes just different athletes and I feed off that energy and that like they a their passion for their own sports and things but their energy and they're like they spark my brain you know what I mean like they spark content for me in my own space and so it's just like it, the the unlimited amount of access I get to all these incredible humans is just the best. Yeah.
1: well, I, th- I think, too, that probably not intentionally, they're a little bit ahead of their time. And I would imagine this rubs off on people like you, although by listening to it, it sounds like you've thought about this for for a very long time. You know, speed running is not. It's not like some of the other like more competitive esports where there was like high, high money to be made and like standard salaries, etc. You've always had to find various different income streams to make things work. And to make a living for yourself. And now a lot of the big esports are like learning that hard lesson now too, where they're like, you know, the the financials just don't shake out. They're not logical. They don't make sense. And now they have to know that and they have to find the other revenue streams as well. And that means creating events, creating content, you know, becoming more influencer like, which sounds like that's been a part of your journey from the very beginning. And I think a lot of people in Ripple have done that for a very long time, too. Yeah.
2: They're they're amazing
1: in the in that. How are you coming up with new ideas and wanting to produce and create new events and new types of content that isn't just you sitting in front of a screen doing streaming?
2: I've been kind of lucky in that I've been able, you know, the pandemic just created a gap where I get to bring back some of my old ideas now, which has just been wonderful because they haven't been around for a couple of years. Like even this week, I don't know when this is going to air, but even this week we have Kaizo Coliseum, which is coming up, which is a successor to an event I used to do called Mario Masters Coliseum, which is a charity event where I stick basically I'm sticking around 30 of the best challenge runners in the world we got Small Ant, CJ Yaw, Mitch Flower Power, DGR Dave, we got Gerard the Completionist is coming just like these amazing challenge runners and we're sticking them all in a house and we're just going to see what stupid challenges we can come up with with the games if chat wants to spend money to to challenge us with something we're we're going to make it happen and that's a really really fun event and I'm super super excited about that But I think, like, for definitely, like, there's a couple things. Like, I always think about. I'm like, I'm like, what is underserved? What is not getting attention? Because if it's already getting attention, it doesn't need me, right? It doesn't need someone like me to come in there and do it. Say with like when Fall Mania, when Fall Guys first came out, no, there was no one that was gonna do an event, so I just stepped in and was like, hey, hey guys, we, I've got budget, let's do all guys and it ended up turning into a 10-week series it was amazing uh the viewership was off the charts it was great and and through that spawned a bunch of different types of events and now the community's actually in this weirdly great kind of awesome tiny little but dedicated spot you know so that's definitely like one of the things i think of like what community like what's cool and out there but is not getting any love two i think how can we turn it into a party that's also a big thing for me i love music i love I mean, i'm mean, i not a big this is weird i'm not a big drinker but i do like drinking not by no means am i a big drinker but like i i like to mix those things i think i do think it's fun um there's not a lot of gaming events that are targeted towards 21 year olds honestly that's something that i really think about i try to target i also think it helps that i have an old ass speedrun community is kind of old, right? Like, I mean, in all reality, like, these retro games, like, we're we're appealing to an older crowd, so that does help, too. So I try to think about how I can do it in a party. I really, one of my big things lately is just I want to include music in everything. I have been really, really big on, like, the variety show style type thing where you do something and then music and then music and game and skit and music and game and skit and music. Like, that's kind of a big thing that I've been on lately. That's my big kick. But yeah, it is. It really just comes like what's out there that I would like to see that's not happening. You know what I mean? Like I this this is something I think is cool, but it's not happening. Like, let's just do it. And that's kind of my logic. And I always go with the logic. Like if I want to watch it, somebody else wants to watch it. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 That's that's not always true, but sometimes that, that works.
2: But it is it is like best advice I can ever give. If you can't watch your own YouTube videos, cut it, make it shorter. Make it hotter.
1: Has it been hard to adapt to this world though where you have to be so many different things? Like you have to be a chameleon.
2: What do you no, I hate it. I loved just yeah, I loved when it was just playing games and you could show up and just like that was enough. But we've seen it all, like in this decade of you know, we're at fifteen years since Justin TV came out, right? Two thousand eight. And you know, we've seen it all without a just some drastic advancement in the way video games are made or changed. Like we've seen everything that can be done in video games more or less. We've seen every cool headshot, right? We've seen every million yards snipe. We've seen every knife throw. We've seen every shell jump. We've seen every speed run. We've seen guys beat Mike Tyson punch out blindfolded. Like we've seen it all. You know what I mean? So playing games just isn't enough anymore. You gotta be more. And I'm not saying you have to be like IRL or you have to, be something else but you got to do more than just show up and play video games and yeah I I miss those days I I definitely miss those days of being able to show up and play video games I think unless you're like shroud I don't don't even know if he can do that I don't even know if that counts for him you know what I mean I don't even think he counts as that anymore like you know I just don't think anyone can just show up and play video games anymore you got to be a whole personality
1: for yours, are you finding that within yourself, like, because I, I think that's the I always use XQC as the example because I he's such a timid person in person, but then you see his stream and he's so not, and I don't think it's fake because I do think there are pieces of it, but it's like the you know the stream light goes on, the live light goes on on OBS, and it's just like cranking that to you know ten thousand times its normal capacity. Reverse
2: stage fright is what I call it. I have reverse stage fright. I do way better in groups or with a microphone than I do one on one intense emotional subjects for sure. Reverse stage fright, 100%. I, I totally get what that happens how that happens. Also that's shocking to me that XQC is like that. I mean I've, I've had a, a few interactions with XQC in my day. No, no, nothing negative, but it, it's just like he's always like 11 all the time, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, but then you see him in person at, like, an Overwatch event, and he's just, like, head down to himself, like, not really talking to people in public, and he's just, you know, now he gets swarmed, but back in the day, it used to be he just, like, kind of go hoodie over his head, nondescript.
2: Honestly, I feel like that's pretty common for most of us, though. It's really easy to talk on the microphone to chat. There's, there is, like, a layer of less awkwardness when you're talking to chat, and they're not talking back, I guess. I don't know. You can control the whole conversation, so... Yeah, uh, reverse stage fright. I think that's something that a lot of us suffer from.
1: How much of what you are though on camera is you, and how much of it is you trying to be something else? Is it all you? Is it? Is it? You know, you taking inspiration from elsewhere. I'm always curious about this with people that stream a lot.
2: For me, it's ninety nine percent me. The only the only thing that you might not see out of me is I'm like probably a little bit more. Politically active outside of this, and it's just because that's boring and not fun. You know what I mean? To like, and I oh, don't like being shit. You know, like, just, like you know, I'm 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 there to provide entertainment. I'm not there to do that to everybody. And that and that peeks out all the time in my content and shit like that. Sorry, I'm just cursing up a storm here. I'm I totally. Up- you are good. Bleep it out.
1: You no, we're we're totally fine. We're time for you to curse.
2: So no, but I i say like uh, part of it too is like I started. I started streaming, like, in the pre-Doctor Disrespect era, right? Where, again, you could game and be yourself, and you I don't know, you didn't have to be a character. Like, raging wasn't a thing yet, I guess. So I, I was pretty lucky in that I got to do that. I'm also pretty lucky in that I've led a, a decently interesting life in, in my day. So talking about it, it's not, like, boring or anything. I don't have to, you know, make up things or, or do things like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it is. I try to just be me. It's hard sometimes because, like, when you're on six days a week, sometimes you wake up and you have shit going on. You have life, you have health care, you have problems at home, you have problems with family. You have a great example. I had a family, I mean, not to just pull it serious, but I was doing a subathon in April. And in the middle of my subathon, I had a close cousin of mine commit suicide. And I couldn't do anything because I was stuck there in the subathon and you can't act I can't I couldn't mourn you know I had to go two weeks two more weeks before I got to like mourn you know what I mean so there are times like that where you have to push your emotions aside or be this version of yourself like this be the happier version of yourself and kind of not think about those things but I think that's about the extent of my acting that I have to do or that I do on stream you know what I mean it's just like real life can't affect you when you're trying to make other people happy and i'm not always great at that we all suck at that sometimes. we'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors
1: but you know what's interesting right like my my job traditionally journalist is a the way that it interacts with social media is so boring i always use like not a personal insult to them, but I always use like Adrian Wojnarowski and Adam Schefter as examples of this. Those guys are news ro- robots on Twitter. Was the last time you remember saying anything personal from either of them? It's like this is this basketball trade. This is their this football signing. That's it. And those guys are my colleagues. And I people always like ask me other peers, etc., like how I've become good at engagement or whatever in social media and like my answer is always stupid it's just like i'm me like i'm a normal human being and i'm vulnerable and i have ups and downs and i grew up in an age where i'm a little bit younger and all of us have overshared because we've been on social media since we were like not 9 10 11 years old i had a myspace at like 8 you know, and it's just like, that's just me. That's just what I do. Like, it's an inherit, Like, oh, something's interesting is happening. I should tweet about it. And it's not this like secret sauce of influence. It's just like being a lot, li- you know, having a life. And I am, you know, I think that that is what is different about sort of what we do as sort of content creators and everything else is some of it is just showing who you are for a little bit. It
2: is. I mean, you have to. Ultimately, that's what people are. People are more interested in you as a person than they are in anything you'll ever play. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just go, XQC is an interesting person, right? He is an interesting, he has an interesting life. I understand the interest in him. You know what I mean? And I think that becomes real. I also think, like, when you see these people, especially, like, you see them start from, little and then they get more and more and more and they have more opportunities. I think that is interesting. People enjoy those journeys and everything. People like going on those journeys with people. And I'm not saying that like I'm not saying you should hide and be a robot. I totally agree. You have to share and you have to be emotional. You have to be real, you know what I mean? You can't be agnostic to everything. If you never take a stand, if you never take a stand, that's the worst thing you can do I think in the world, you know what I mean? Like you're better off taking a stand on certain things and you know what I mean? Like I I totally agree with that. It's just like You know, sometimes you don't want to share those. It's hard. Yeah. That's the hard part, especially as you become a dad, too. You know,
1: I was going to ask about that because I think that is something that we are seeing more with your generation of streamers is is family. I've watched a lot of these people that I watched, you know, six, seven years ago when they were in their sometimes late teens or early 20s, etc. And now they're starting to get older in their family building and everything else. And that is It is such a change and to see the change with people like yourselves and others in like a positive way, like some of the best interviews. I'll I'll share this, actually, because I don't know if I've ever said said this on the pod. I had an interview I did not not related to gaming. Well, sort of related to gaming, but not a gamer. Years ago, I got was like getting hit up by a bunch of people when I was working at ESPN by Activision Blizzard. And they had just come out with the recent most recent Call of Duty. And they were trying to do a bunch of press for call of duty and get call of duty placed and everything. And the pitch to ESPN was that one of the like characters was motion captured and based on Michael Phelps, you know, one of the greatest athletes to ever live and walk this earth. And I was like, hell yes, I will interview Michael Phelps. This is super interesting. And I got, and I'm, and I tend to think I'm, not such a bad interviewer. Maybe people on the show agree or disagree. But nonetheless, I got on the phone with Michael Phelps and we talked about his parents in Call of Duty for about five minutes, but I could tell in it he had just had his first child and I could tell what Michael Phelps at that moment was passionate about was not about being in a video game or video games in general because he plays a lot of games. It was about being a dad. And Michael Phelps and I had a 30 minute conversation that I still have the recording of on my phone about being a dad and we never published it because there was not really a story there to write about Michael Phelps being a dad per se, but it was so heartfelt because here is a guy talking about fatherhood, which is so special and so unique. It's, you know, a bunch of people have kids, but everybody's journey to having a child and what they feel emotionally, the emotional range, etc., is unique to every single individual person. And to hear one of the greatest athletes of all time, talk about, that is so unique, and how it how it changed him. And then I I've seen that a lot with people in the streaming community and the content creation community.
2: It changes, I mean, so much because like we're such workaholics. I think it is such a a common denominator I've seen through every streamer and content creator. You know what I mean? There, I, I I think you could probably agree with this. They're all obsessively working all the time, and it really puts a lot of having the kid really puts a lot of that into perspective. You know what I mean? It, it really it really helps with my work-life balance you know what i mean and and just trying to do that and it just so it it just made me realize how many more important things are there are out there and everything but it is it is different and it is it's a very hard job to do with kids and it's very hard to navigate because people are interested in it right you know what i mean and how much do you now how much of your life do you want to share versus how much you don't and how much can you keep off and then when they become a toddler and know how to work doors like there's no keeping them off the stream anyway like you know what i mean like that becomes a thing so um it is really really interesting it's fun, it's pro- it's probably it's it's kind of funny because it's definitely the number one conversation i have with other people now other streamers because like you said so many of us are in this boat in that age in that time of life where we're where it's happening people from you know the i guess the justin tv and right post justin tv era we're all kind of in that boat right now. And it it is fun, like just talking to people and talking about how they want to do things. I actually made a joke the other day about how easy it would be to make my kid a YouTube superstar. Like it would be, I think like I can make him a 3 million follower channel. No problem. Like, I think, I think I can make him a much bigger channel than all of us, you know, than than I ever will have because I understand how it all works, you know, now. And I, and I watch, like, I've seen enough of this kid's content that I'm like, Oh God, I know exactly how to do this you know, and my kid's got enough riz that he could pull it off. Like, so, (laughs) um, yeah, that's such like the little devil inside of me is like, you know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah, I mean, that's another thing. It's like, and and you know what? One thing that I think is like a really common thing is like all of us want to keep our kids like so far away from YouTube as we can, which is kind of funny, you know, so um, in my experience, which I don't, I just think that's interesting.
1: You can take like the Sean Doris approach and do like the family channel. You know, you go from like your own individual stuff and just become like full family YouTuber. That's what he is nowadays.
2: So I feel like I feel like it's oh I don't I don't know man I just the, the whole kid. But like I I thought about it. like I I laid it out like I was like we could do this really easy toy reviews. This kid would add everything he wants. You know, like it would be. It's kind of fun, especially because I have the infrastructure in place. You know what I mean? I've got the editors got the cameras i've got the shots like you know it'd be so i mean i know we're gonna see other people do that it's gonna be interesting to see how these kids grow up you know like my kid my kid has no concept that there's other people on the side of the screen he thinks like he's four and a half and he thinks i play video games for a living and that is a very hard thing to fight with him because he plays video games now and he's like i'm working Mom, I'm working. I'm working. I, and it's a big thing, you know, so.
1: That's the first that's really cute. But also, yes, now you're now you're going to have to as the ages gets gets to the point where you're explaining the more minutiae I you know, I'm probably five, six, seven years away from finally having children. But I think about that a lot like the what you impart on your kids. You know, my my parents were, I would say, a little helicoptery, but. I will say that I like got to try a lot of different things and I'm thankful for that. At least like even the thing, you know, I played one season of every single team sport and I sucked total ass at soccer and basketball. I love basketball now as a viewer, but I was terrible at them as a child. And I was like moderately good at baseball and moderately good at football enough to like be there and like enjoy it and learn a bunch of the moral things that you learn from team sports that now impact my life all these years later. And eventually got into wrestling in high school, too. And I was pretty good at that, actually. So I found the one. But, you know, I tried so many different things. And I I think a lot about, like, what do you impart on your kids? And I think about a lot of that about, you know, because I have a six-year-old nephew who's into video games and other things nowadays. And, you know, I very much enjoy spending time with him when I get the opportunity to. We live like five-ish hours away. But when I get the opportunity to and I, I think about what how our generation is going to think about that differently because we live in such a different world with social media and everything else and, and thinking about, like, what do you impart and what do you let them discover, right?
2: Very hard. It's very, very difficult. It's a tough thing to manage. Another thing is, is like it, like you said, like you, like, you got to play every five sports. Like, dude, they, they already want to, like, get my kid, like, focused on one thing. You know what I mean? Like, like every sport wants your, oh, like, that's it. You can do this five days a week. I'm like, he's not even in kindergarten yet, y'all. Like, we do not have to do that. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's an interesting, an interesting, it's also like, there's not like any other parents that I can look to. There's no, there's never been influencer parents before, right? You know, so this is like, we're the first generation of it. So we don't know what's the right way to do it. Like, you know, we, we have no idea. We're navigating in these like completely new waters, you know, like we don't know, like, how much do you share? How much do you not share? How much do you how much freedom do you let them have? Do you let them stream if they want to stream? Do you let them like what do you you know there's so much just a lot of questions, very very difficult, you know?
1: Well, we'll end out on an easy note, but I think that was really interesting to talk to uh, talk about. So thank you for talking about it. What are you looking forward to doing next in your career? What's ahead?
2: You know what I really want to do, man? I want to I want to get Red Bull to let me drive one of the race cars that's what i'm really trying to do that's what i've really been into i've been super into sim racing lately sim racing and speed running same thing right exact same thing so uh, that's that's my big next step um i you know i don't know like i I just want to continue to evolve i'm I'm still super into mario i can't wait for mario wonder to come out so this is we're in speed running mario but i'm just excited about the next you know, layers of content that's going to come in. I've been doing a lot of more sports stuff uh, recently. I originally went to school to be a sportscaster, and ironically, I'm getting to do a lot of sportscasting now. I've been covering soccer for Twitch. I've been yeah, an NFL show, uh, NFL show coming out for Twitch. Again, this year before Thursday Night Football that I'm really, really excited about. Um, last year, Amon Green, Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer, was our host. The year before that, we had Ryan Shazier, Pittsburgh Steelers, former linebacker, Pro Bowl linebacker. Greer, unfortunately, got hurt from the broken neck. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've had some amazing people on there. It is the number one show. We Last year, we had four different Seattle defensive players come on our show and talk mad crap about Russell Wilson. And I can't believe any of these clips never went viral because it was the most incredible smack talk that a former players have ever given a quarterback. And this year, our goal is to get much more of the same. Lots of Russell Wilson smack talk on that. So I'm really, really excited about that. No, man, I'm just excited about keep my tour going. I have speedrun sessions. We're going on an eight-city tour next year, next April. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to be eight different cities. You can come in. That's a free show you get to come to. And, again, it serves booze, which is really, really important to me. I have a holiday special coming up, which is another charity event uh, that I'm really, really excited. And that mixes skits and games and music all together. This year will be the last year online. Next year, we'll get to do our holiday special live in person like a whole day of Saturday Night Live, but with gaming, you'll love it. It's going to be great. So yeah, those are really the things I'm super excited about. kind of got my next year and a half planned out already. So yeah. And then whatever else comes our way, I mean, the world keeps evolving and keeps changing and who knows, you know? This thing has gone a lot farther than I think any of us ever thought back in 2015 it could go to. So yeah, who knows?
1: Well, Poo, thank you very much for joining us. Where can people find you and all your content?
2: grand Pooh bear no h yeah grand Pooh bear no h any i'm literally anything anything i am on there i own it all
1: well thank you so much for joining us i really appreciate you being here yep, thanks so much that's all for our show if you enjoyed this episode of Visionaries, you can find more like it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And while you're there, consider giving us a review. It really helps other people find the show. And if you want to support us directly at Overcome and you appreciate the work that we do, you can now join our Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. We have a range of benefits for our patrons, including special episodes of Visionaries and access to the video version of Visionaries. This episode was produced by chiscilia Chochetti, Our digital media intern is Beverly Perez. Special thanks to Prem and Sammy Daig for their help with this episode. We'll see you here next week on Visionaries.